We want to start today's episode with a word from our awesome sponsor, Playground. Um, they want you to know that it's okay if you made what turned out to be the wrong choice with your school management software. Maybe it's too expensive, it doesn't do what you really need it to, or maybe parents refuse to get on board and use it. If that sounds familiar, check out Playground. It's built for preschools by people with 40 years of family history as teachers, directors, and parents, and it does only what you need it to at an affordable price. Sounds pretty good. Parents love Playground because it's easy to use and it keeps them involved even when the schools aren't open to them. So visit tryplayground.com to learn more. That's tryplayground.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode six, season three of the Reflective Teacher Podcast. This week, Lindsay and I talked to Brooklyn Dukes again. She was on our episode last season about children and self-regulation. This week, we're talking to her more about adults and self-regulation. Of course, in the context of the classroom, but also in the context of just anywhere. Brooklyn these days, although she is always an educator, she is out of the classroom but working as a parent coach, an amazing one at that. Um, We talk with her all about self-regulation and how we can regulate ourselves to show up for our students, but also ourselves as teachers. Um, And we just had the best conversation that was so needed at the end of a very long day of teaching for me and Lindsay. And that is why we know that this will be an amazing pep talk for all educators. So, without any further ado, here is our interview with Brooklyn Dukes. Okay, that's amazing. So, you're pairing coaching. Yeah, Why don't yeah. you give it the plug right now? Like, give it the plug. Yeah. What parent, like, what, what do parents get from Brooklyn? Yeah, so parent coaching basically is um, parents show up. Um, well, first we talk, we make sure we're a good fit for each other, and then we do Zoom coaching. There's a few people who are in person currently building an office in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically get perspectives on what's happening with their kids in the dynamic between them and their child, what's challenging about it, how they can shift, how they can make some changes, um, what's a realistic expectation, how to set boundaries, you know, kind of like basically evaluating where the parents are at. (laughs) It's funny, I had a client start um, in the beginning of September and we talked a lot about her kids like the first week and we like talked all about them and what was hard for them and where they were challenged. And the second week she came back, she's like, it's me, isn't it? (laughs) and I'm like we're all learning here you know but like there is a big part of that dynamic where it is us you know and like when we shift us and that's kind of I think where this conversation will go today is how impactful that can be um for the children that we work with whether they live in our house or they're in our classrooms so yeah yeah and I feel like you're I mean basically you're like a therapist for the for these parents, it is, it is very similar. I am not right. a therapist, right? I will preface by saying that it is very similar <laughs> right. because I feel like I mean, parents do obviously want to be heard and they want to like vent or like you know be like heard. So I feel like listening is a part of it, 
And then you can you obviously have like so such great like knowledge and background with children and development and just great perspective to share with them. So yeah, and I think like something that's tricky for everybody is like I find it's very hard to be on like both teams, like for just in general and like context of like I'm on the child's team or I'm on the parents' team, and like my goal is really for them to feel like we're just one team. And like, I hear the parents and I get that it's hard and like parenting can really suck sometimes. Um, And our kids can be challenging sometimes. And um, on the, the other side of that, that our kids are, there is a reality that they're having and that they're not just you know, people that we control, they're their own people, they're in small bodies, and they have big feelings and a lot of missing lagging skills, but like that we can really um, hold into hold on to both of those ideas at the same time. That's so wonderful. That's great. I mean, and and it, it speaks to that relationship building that like teachers and, you know, people like you parent coaches, and just anyone working with children and families, needs to be you know working on and 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 trying to like always you know work on their skills in those kinds of relationships because that's like how you build trust with those parents right is like how when they feel like you are on their side but also understand their kid yeah and I think like just like and you know as a classroom teacher is like you know, that's when you know your kids are going to learn is when they feel safe and they feel like they belong in their classroom and like this is their space. Like that's when they're, those are the kids who are the best learners and who really show up every day are those kids who feel consistently connected and safe. And for the same way, the parents that I work with, it's, there's no difference. It's if they feel safe and connected to me and in like their space and with their children, like that's when they're able to learn those new skills and shift like all of those patterns that are so hard to get out of when you've been doing them for 30 something years you know so yeah yeah. well okay let's let's get into it and this episode is going to be like kind of cool we're talking about like how to show up for yourself but for your students too um and it's going to talk about like you kind of were outlining some of the ideas of like self-regulation unconscious thoughts and um breaking some habits that maybe not are maybe aren't serving you so well um so let's talk about made some notes oh perfect (laughs) I just want to pull them up so I don't forget anything yeah no we like loved I I started the outline I'm I'm sorry I started the outline and I was like wait Brooklyn like she knows what she's gonna say I don't even know if I should do this because (laughs) no I I appreciate it yeah no I was like you're just gonna have such like I'm sure amazing like takeaways and feedback but I honestly love this format because I don't have to practice for it so like I did write down like one like a few little notes but like yeah. I, I recently did a Q&A and it was like different than a, I'm like oh, I want to only do Q&As I classes give me so much anxiety I'm like I have to be prepared I have to you yeah. know and I'm like wait I do know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah and you can so, tell me you're talking well, you do, and Martha, of course, will be her, her amazing editing self. So, yeah, no worries okay. if we need to chop anything. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, just let's talk about self-regulation and um, how you like to think about it with children, but then also, like, I like to add in with you know adults because I I find that I'm not always the most regulated human being. Yeah. I think that there's like a really big conversation around self-regulation going on 
um, and I love it. And we talk about how we can teach it in our classrooms. And I, this is one of the things that I added to your notes, actually, of something I wanted to remember is we talk so much about our kids' feelings and how we should know what happy is and sad is and labeling our emotions. And I actually find that like we don't really understand the function of that, meaning like beyond that, um, we're a little bit like, okay, like they know they're happy, but like, how does that help us? Like what, how is that purposeful? Um, and I, and I think that part of the issue is that so many of us have a hard time recognizing what our feelings are until we're yelling. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, I, am working really hard on that aspect in my own personal life, but like so often we don't even realize um, that we're having anxiety or we're feeling really disappointed about something. Fully. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And also like how to communicate that to these like a hundred little people calling your name. Yeah. And, and like even your coworkers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, meaning, like, I think sometimes we confuse self-regulation with holding things inside of our bodies. And I don't think that is self-regulation. Like, I don't think oh. not saying you're upset is regulated. I you're think that, so right. yeah, I think that really just like leads us into dysregulation, right? Like if I'm annoyed at something my husband did and I don't say anything in the name of self-regulation, that is not. That's that is not passive aggressive. Yeah, because it doesn't <laughs> stay inside my body. It comes out as passiveness, passive aggressive, passive aggression. Um, and like, and I think that's the important thing to notice about why it's so important to be emotionally literate is our feelings, our physical experiences in our bodies. If I'm happy, my physical body reacts in a happy way. My mouth turns up, my energy level changes, my heart rate changes. If I'm sad, my eyes start to water. If I'm angry, my heart starts to race. Like if I'm anxious, I feel like a gigantic, like weight is sitting on my chest and I can't breathe and I want to throw up and my throat closes up. Like, and we all have those feelings that are really intense for us. Um, but all feelings have a physical reaction and they don't go away by not talking about them. They stay there until we talk about them or they come out as really inappropriate behaviors like talking badly about someone behind their back or (laughs) um, being passive aggressive or yelling at a student that you really didn't want to lose it at, but you're just upset about, maybe not even about the kid. Maybe the kid was just the thing that set you off. Or, you know, I always say the tantrum is never about the thing that they're tantruming about. It's just the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, like there was 20 other things that they were holding on to inside of those tiny little bodies. And then you said, no, we're using the purple cup today. And, and that, that's the end of that. Yes. No way. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's, that's the quote of this episode is like, regulation wow. is there's not so many. It is. It's not <laughs> yeah. just like not saying how you feel because it's so true. It's like, regulate yourself. Like, don't be a mess is like what you're what a lot, I think a lot of people envision. Right? Yeah. Well, of- so it sounds like too, that it would be important to not only like, kind of talk about how you're feeling, but also how you're like emotionally, but also physically. 
right? Like connecting those emotions to that physical self. Well, that was literally the next thing I was going to say. Like we so often, I just talked about this on a reel yesterday about self-care, about how like teachers, for sure you guys know this. I think I've got like kidney infections from being a teacher, like not using the bathroom all day. You have to pee. But, but even more than that, when you're in a reactive state all day, your body does not pay attention to the things that are happening inside of it because that's what keeps you going. If, if it stopped to notice every time you had to pee, you'd be really inefficient. Like it's sort of designed to help you ignore those signals when you're reacting. But if you're reacting all day, that is not healthy. And you're going to start to also ignore the signals in your body that are saying, this kid is really triggering me right now. Like I have to pay attention to why that's so hard for me or my coworker is driving me up the wall or, you know, like what is going on? What are those feelings? What are those experiences until we're suddenly suffocating or until we're like literally about to just let it all out at someone who really doesn't necessarily deserve it. Um, And and there is a physical experience that we have to pay attention to. And I think noticing that, naming that and um, recognizing what things really bring out that emotion in you, right? Like if I'm really disappointed when things don't, you know, everyone's disappointed when things don't go their way on some level, but we all have different tolerance. So noticing your emotion that comes up in those situations. If I know there's a kid in my class who oftentimes I'm feeling angry around um, and noticing what's happening in my body, those are two clues for me. Like those are two like flags that are going off in my brain. If I start trying to notice them, that is the the start of the self-regulation is when I can say, oh, actually I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. You know, like I'm actually going to walk away for a second. Right. And, and well, okay, we can get into like strategies and stuff like that because I'm all already just like my wheels let's, are turning. Yeah, no, let's think about like in the classroom and and challenges with self-regulation in the classroom and for us and for children, I guess. Um Yeah, I'm so it's so much easier for me to think of challenges for children with self-regulation in the classroom. <laughs> it's so much easier for me to think about me. Really? And, oh, yeah, because because for me, like I agree. Like I think I, I feel that I do struggle with like, I mean, I don't struggle with like necessarily knowing how I'm feeling, but I, I get into that reactive space. Right. And like, all of a sudden I'm here, like my shoulders are like by my ears and I'm just like, like I can't, and I'm, and I'm not, I feel like I'm on like autopilot because like everyone's calling my name, but I was like in the middle of doing something. I have ADHD. So I'm already like, like there's a million things going on in my brain, but I think that's, I do ignore those signals. So for me, it's like a lot easier to envision everything you're saying when we're talking about uh, self-regulation, but I know that the little people also really, really struggle with this too. See, for me, I feel like I'm pretty regulated. Could totally also be. No, like but I think the bone on some yeah. stuff. But I like, feel like I'm pretty regulated. And so when children too. are not regulated, it's like very hard for me to help them. Like I can't break it down for them, and I I just kind of like tap out. So mm-hmm. maybe that's you being not regulated, right? And those I don't know. Okay, there we go. Here we go. This I was gonna say that for me. <laughs> it, but I think so, that is like so my tapping out is not being regulated. 
right? Well, it's actually what keeps you regulated, meaning you tap out because the situation is overwhelming. I also do this um, in like very loud spaces. I'm actually really extroverted. So I like thrive in like big situations with lots of people and a party. If it's in my space, if I walk into a different space and I don't know the people, I like usually like I'm floating like 10 feet above everyone. My head, I'm like, I could be like looking down on the room. Like I am not present in my body. And I like, I really do like tap out. Um, But I think that is a regulation strategy that like a lot of us learn when, when we're little um, for many reasons, maybe because we grew up in a really loud house, maybe because we grew up in a really quiet house and we're not used to loud noises, or maybe because we, when we grew up around loud noises, that was the way to get out of it. You know, and there's so, I mean, we could, there's so many reasons why we all have our own things, but um, yeah, I think you're right, Martha. I think you're onto something there. <laughs> Wait, then how do I regulate more? I don't even know what to do. Right. So that, so that's also a feeling in your body though, right? When you tap out or you space out a little bit, that's like a feeling of like fogginess or like, like absence or like not feeling present in your body and not being aware of your body parts. Like that is something you can become aware of and start to notice like, oh, my feet are on the ground here. Like, oh, I'm holding a kid's hand or, um, you know, like actually trying to move yourself into a different space so you could like reset Um, but I think, I think that, um, one of the most, I think this is like an important piece before we talk about strategies, which this is really a strategy. That's the truth Mm -hmm. is like, what is it that dysregulates us? Because there, first of all, there, we all have our own triggers. We all have our own things that set us off, but sometimes they don't set us off, right? One kid could tantrum. And doesn't bother us. And another kid could tantrum and it does bother us. So like, what's the difference? Like, why is it different in certain situations? You know? Well, I feel like it also has to do with your connection with the child. So I, I feel like for a rat, I'm now in nursery. I'm teaching a different grade. And I feel what, like our, what age is nursery? So three fours. Three fours. And I feel like rest time is different, but in a good way. And actually most children do sleep and it's pretty calm and Zen. There are a few that have a hard time with the, with rest time though. And I feel like the same few are always kind of like, you know, kind of disrupting the, the group. And I feel like that's some of these children, that's all I know of them because I don't see them as much throughout the day. So that's like what I think about in my head. And I'm like, I have to form a different connection with them. I have to like spend time with them, like in a different situation, not during rest so that I can like have a better connection with them and be able to like probably regulate better and to help them and, you know, be more effective. That's over, is that overwhelming them like that? that um, I think that they're tired. I think they're really tired and they don't know how to regulate. Overwhelming for you then. Is that what oh I'm- yeah. I just like, don't even know how to help them. And I'm like, I don't, I just like, I'm tapping out. I'm not going to like someone else has got it because I don't even know what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, for me, like a root problem. We're like, Brooklyn, fix our problems. Um, <laughs> sure. No prop. Uh, um, for me, like, I'm like, when I, I sh- struggle with the child when that tantrums, that is the child who is lab- who is labeled the kid that like is having the most issues, issues in quotes um, with behavior, because I really want to help that child the most. And I get frustrated with myself and with the situation when I can't and the child who I'm not used to that sort of behavior from is much less stressful to me 
when they're mm-hmm. having a hard time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's unusual. Yeah, it's like novel. And I'm like, oh, you know, I can kind of I can handle this. And like, oh, like maybe it's just like a one off thing is like, you know, easier to cope with than like a repeat behavior. Yeah. Again, I feel like that comes back to your connection, Martha, because you have like a different connection with those kids that don't have it happening all the time. Yeah. So something we do like in coaching often is we kind of identify the things that are in between us and our connection with our kid, right? Like why is it so hard for us to connect with those kids there's always a kid in our class that we have trouble connecting with, right? There's always the kid that you like love, like easily in that. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we're kind of like afraid of like, teachers don't have favorites. We don't have favorites. We don't, have, you know, and like, we don't, we, but they're naturally, we do connect easier with certain children because certain children have different, we all have different relationships, right? So, but something um, we talk about is what are unconscious thoughts happen what they look like and how to identify them um and why it's so important so like for example I had a few unconscious thoughts before I started this call I was preparing (laughs) myself um mentally but I'll give there's three types that we'll talk about um three or four I guess and one of them that I had was you know if my kid in the other room is screaming during this call. I was preemptively getting upset at my husband for <laughs> not putting him to sleep, like not getting him to be quiet. And I'm, I'm like, why am I, first of all, why am I mad about something that hasn't happened yet? Right, right. So I, I already like nipped that one in the butt. I was like, calm down. I'm like, that's not a real thought. That's just a story. Didn't even happen yet. Chill out. <laughs> um, but the other one I, I heard myself saying, which is under that is, is when we assume intent, right? I'm like, he just must not care about how, I, how hard I work, he, you know, because it has happened before that I've had coaching calls. There has been a screaming child in the background and I was having a panic attack and trying to practice self-regulation, which is probably a little bit more like, you know, quieting those actual feelings and not actually regulating. But um, right. When you're working, we, it's different. <laughs> Yeah, but we do tend to assume intentions in people, um, and that is usually a big source of dysregulation, right? If someone cuts me off in traffic, I just assume they are the worst person, they're evil, when really, when we look at it from like that nervous system perspective of everyone's trying to keep their body and soul safe and connected, um, then it's like, okay, I can probably like, I'm actually really good when people cut me off in traffic. Most of the time I'm like, oh, they're probably late for work. Like I hate being late. Like I'm sure that's why. And if people do something rude to me at another time, like if they cut me off in the grocery store line, I hate shopping for groceries. Then I'm like, I hope you have a really far parking spot away from Jewel because um, you're the worst, you know? But like we assume intentions and that's kind of what gets in our way, right? Like I would assume a lot of us assume intentions in in our students, right? They're being disrespectful. They don't care about their friends. They are being manipulative. We're spending a lot of time in someone else's brain when we do that. I could just as well assume good intentions, but Mm -hmm. the part of me that is bothered and triggered or overwhelmed or angry, or maybe I really despise the idea of manipulation for however I grew up, right? That's really... it's, a, it's like, first of all, it's a yucky feeling to have towards a kid. 
But like, I even remember like a stage where I like, didn't want, I didn't like when people called students manipulative. And then I would instead like transfer my negative intentions onto the adult that called them manipulative. So I'd be like, like, I would assume their intent and be like, well, they're just, they're just, you know, and, and we all, and that's where we start as you start to become more and more aware of those unconscious thoughts where we assume other people's intentions for the worst. um, We we start to realize like, oh, this is still an unconscious thought. How can I make that a conscious one, right? And you can say like, if I'm spending time in someone else's head, I might as well give them good intentions. Um, And we both, I mean, we're all in like a Jewish education world. And like, that is a Jewish idea really is to judge people favorably and to be Dan Lechaf Schuss, which is like, be be a judge of someone's good merit. Like, you know, if I'm, I, I can decide. Yeah. yeah, I could decide. Like, if I'm deciding if they're a terrible person, like, it's going to make my life a lot easier if I just decide they're a great person having a hard time. Um, or a kid who's, you know, a good kid having a hard time. Um, so that's one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a magnifier. Like, that's another one. <laughs> I make things really big um, that are really small. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, it's blown out of proportion. Yeah, I was actually thinking of that one, Martha, when you were talking about um, your student who might be having a hard time with like tantrums or behaviors that show up more. And we tend to think like that almost reflects on us, right? Like I magnify it. And like, why am I magnifying it? Right? Like, why is it getting so big? Lindsay, don't you just love it when you forget to do the attendance and you get called in the middle of your class to turn it in. I do. Just love it. I mean, just kidding. We don't love it at all. Um, Sometimes it's really hard to remember to do the attendance. And when you do remember, the website or the app can just be kind of a pain to navigate. But luckily for you, we have a new solution in the form of an app called Playground. Playground is a preschool management app um, that is for directors and schools just like you and yours. Um, They are right now actually offering a free three-month beta program with no contracts, commitments, or fees where you work hand-in-hand with them to develop the solution that uniquely fits your school. And they are just so customer-based. Yes, more than 75% of their features came from customer requests and feedback. So they really work with schools and centers to create what the schools and centers need. Yeah. And because they're just like actually about schools and not just some like giant company trying to like get you to buy their app, they have an amazing blog. If you go to tryplayground.com, you can go to company, that the tab that says company, and you can look at their blog that focuses on early childhood and has writers like actual early childhood professionals and educational professionals writing for them about things that we actually care about that you know, they, they don't have to do that, but they do because they're passionate about what they do, which is awesome. Um, they have a ton of features on their app. Uh, to list a few, payments, documents, attendance, activities, curbside, so it would be like pickup, drop-off, um, communication, so you can actually like res- communicate with families, and even a health tracker. Yeah, health tracker like, you know, for COVID-19, that thing that we all <laughs> have been dealing with forever. Anyway, 
Again, they're offering a free three-month beta program with no contracts or commitments, and they will help you develop the solution that really fits your unique situation. So you should go to tryplayground.com to check them out. That's tryplayground.com. No, that's so true. It's, it gets huge, and then that's when it affects me the most, when I feel like it reflects on me. When And that then can be competes with my need, which I love about my teaching style is my need to like make sure that any student struggling or not is happy and having a great, you know, time at school and, and feels like they're getting what they they need. But then when I'm unable to regulate because I'm freaking out about the way my performance is or whatever that's just it all comes into conflict so that's cool to just take a step back potentially and say wow maybe this is like really blown out of proportion and yeah. again yeah and that magnifying feeling like I'm su- I'm such a magnifier and I'm like you know like when I was a teacher I'd be like if I don't teach him to share right now when he's 28 he's never going to be able to share you know, right. like this is the moment that it must happen in, you know? Um, and when I like started noticing like how intense I was feeling about like certain behaviors and I started stepping back, it was a lot easier for my kids to figure it out because I'm showing up with panic that that stress is very dysregulating. Our kids are not, they're not dumb. They know, I know when I'm next to a panicked person, I can feel it like rolling off of them. Totally, totally, totally. You're right. Like, yeah, I, love, and, I love that strategy just to like step back. Yeah. I think also like the, with the magnifying, there was something else I was going to say. Um, oh, what you were saying, Martha, is so, this is something I always think. Well, first of all, whenever I'm like in the grocery store, I like assume, you know, I get, I get very magnified. Like if Mike has a tantrum, um, then, you know, this is really bad marketing for my parent coaching business. (laughs) And then I like, I started thinking about everyone around me, like people literally will say to me when my child is having a a difficult behavior, like, okay, I'm going to watch to see what you do. And I'm like, first of all, I just want to preface that I cannot control my kid, just like no one can control any other human being. So even if what I do does not stop the behavior, it's still likely what I would recommend. Um, And I might be dysregulated right now. And this is very different than like my Instagram videos, but like something you mentioned about magnifying, and then we start worrying about how it reflects on us. That's another way of assuming intent, right? We're assuming other people are going to judge how we show up as teachers based on how our kids are doing. And our, our students are really not like we make such a difference in their lives and we can be so impactful and there's a limit to how we can show up. Um, and they're still themselves. Like we're not, you know, not every kid is walking out in a straight line with perfect impulse control and perfect attention spans and perfect self-regulation and organization skills. And, you know, and I think when we start going into other people's heads of like, when I'm in the grocery store, I'm like, what are they going to think about if my kid's tantruming or what are they going to think if, you know, my, my child's not performing well, then like, that's another way we kind of assume intent. We're like assuming they're going to judge us. Um, And we could just as easily rewrite that story and say, like, they're cheering me on right now. Like, they're probably like, wow, she's having a hard time. Like, I know she's got this. Like, I could easily 
not easily, but that could be my next thought that I add when I start noticing those like cyclical thoughts that we fall into in those panicked moments. No, that's so true. That's beautiful. Yeah. Last year, I feel like we had a really squirrely class um, (laughs) for whatever reason, like they just, they could not sit still. And like, we liked that about them and it was fine. It was kind of fun, but like at the same time, towards the end of the year, like other classes, other co-workers were noticing, right, Lindsay, like, and we would hear like, man, your class just cannot sit still. Yeah, like, and we're it, not going to come for the whole thing because our class can't handle it. <laughs> and it, just, I, it made my blood boil when I knew it was the truth. Our class couldn't. Yeah, it, it didn't bother me at all. I was like, eh, yeah, well, we're not going to show up for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it didn't bother you. It, it, and it completely felt for me. And I, and I saw that and I was like happy that it didn't like bother yeah. you or whatever, yeah. but for me, I was like, they're saying I can't control this. And I like, but it's like at the same time, then I think about it and I'm like, but that's not developmentally appropriate. So like, right. where like, am I right now? What's happening? Yeah. Right. And that is that, that is why that is the basis for, we all have our own personal triggers. We all have our, our own self-regulation model. Like one thing that doesn't affect Lindsay could totally affect Martha. And one thing that totally doesn't phase Martha could be like, what the heck is going on for Lindsay? You know, that's why I love co-teaching so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, you usually get like a great, you know, there's like some dynamic that's going to be amazing. So like there's yeah, strengths for one has- person, there's strengths for another And it's like nice to be able to like tap out or get the help or balance each other out or somehow just like have those reflective like times where you can talk it out, you know? Yeah. I feel like a big takeaway right now for me. What, Lindsay? Well, I just want to hear the third one, but yes, let's talk. Were we listing something? What were you listing? There's there's three unconscious unconscious thoughts. That's the ADHD. It's coming back. In. You're always, you're good. You're good. And so, like, no, bring it back. I need the third one. Yeah, the third back. one is labeling, right? Yeah. When we label someone and when you start to notice you're having one, like I know I'm a magnifier by nature, but as soon as I pay attention to those thoughts, I realize that I'm doing all three. Um, you know, like usually in that time span of spiraling into a deep, dark hole of what if I'm really a bad parent, you know? Um, and the third one is labeling, right? When we label kids as like, well, they just can't sit still, or, you know, they just, they're, I'm going to use some ridiculous ones that I hope we don't use, but whatever, like dumb or, um, like, you know, ADHD, like when they're two years old and you're like, okay, well, or just like, right. Like even, yeah. yeah. And like, and I think that, the important thing to notice is you're not bad for having those types of thoughts for assuming negative intent or labeling or um, what was the third one guys? Uh, Magnifying. (laughs) Yeah. Magnifying. There we go. Pop quiz. Um, (laughs) What was, you know, we're not bad for having those. There's a purpose to having them and our brain magnifies things so we can pay attention to things that feel unsafe. Um, like for example, I hear my child jumping in his crib right now. Um, you know, and I'm saying like, okay, that's small. He's not sad. We're okay. Um, you know, our brain labels things that we don't really understand. Like if we don't have a deep understanding of something, we tend to label it because that feels a little bit more safer, right? Like, yeah, it feels safer. Yeah. It feels safer and it feels like we have a better understanding of it. And it feel it makes us feel a little bit more knowledgeable. If I can like label this thing and put it in a box and like kind of we forget about all the nuances, right? Like, you know, it's very easy to 
you know, like even Martha, I'm going to call you out here. Like earlier, you're like, I'm very ADHD, but like, meaning something I tell a lot of my parents that come to coaching and a lot of them have kids who are either on the spectrum or have ADHD and really essentially what any diagnosis like boils down to is a list of skills that are difficult for a kid. No one includes a list of skills that is really wonderful for like, that are really strong. Right. And like, I would, I need those. Like I I do have that diagnosis. And so I'm like, I really really would love a list of like, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, and, and I think like, okay, kids have, kids who have ADHD have short attention spans, but they also, you could, you could consider that a very strong prioritization skill. They're not going to do things they don't care about. Like AD, kids who have ADHD don't like, waste yeah. time on, th- right. Your brain is like, no, not worth it. And you know what? The truth is like a lot of us do struggle with prioritizing and like, there's so many pieces, right? Like that, that are not, it's not black and white. It's not black and white. You know, I think we, a kid walks in our classroom, especially for those of us who teach older children who walk in with a diagnosis, who walk in with a handful of therapists. And we think hard kid, we, you know, and we talk so much about like, okay, I won't think about what the teacher from last year said, we're going to start on a fresh slate. And, and you know what the truth is, it's important to have that information. We can't start on a fresh slate. Like it's just not realistic. Um, but what we can do is look at these things from a strength-based perspective of these are all the things that these students are wonderful at. And those, there are plenty of very successful people who have ADHD, who have plenty of diagnoses, who have auditory processing issues, who have, you know, and, and when you look at it as a list of missing skills, it's actually kind of relieving because anyone can learn how to ride a bike. Anyone can learn how to focus. It, you might not ever be a world famous Olympian for attention span, but, but it is a skill that you could build and it might naturally be harder for you. But I think that like deficit perspective is kind of detrimental to our students. Totally. Yeah. yeah it's not doing anyone any good. No, I love that. I feel like, did we get through the list? Do we have a fourth? We got it. Yeah, we we said I said three, but there is something that is saying something like someone always does something or never does something is almost never true. (laughs) So I'll I'll say that. That's like um, it's a black and white thought or super definitive or yeah, like yeah, yeah. And all of those are really black and white thoughts, right? Like my therapist is a big fan of of talking about my black and white thoughts. So I'm very. I'm like, am I being too nuanced? You know, like that's how nuanced I've gotten. Um, <laughs> no. Um, no, I, okay, so, wait. I, I think, love this though. It's like, so it's just like, it's it a concrete way. Yes. Yeah, it's like a like very concrete way of noticing your own thoughts. And those thoughts are almost always coupled with that, like eruption of anxiety and anger and sadness and disappointment and frustration and um, all of those things, you know? And I feel like it's a concrete way for teachers and parents alike to just really build that awareness. I, totally. I don't know how we would do it with our students. I'm sure you've got some ideas on that. Yeah. But I just like love it for myself. No, yeah, totally. Thing. I'm like, I am here. And I was like, oh, we're going to learn how to like do this for us and do this for them. But like, I feel like we're yeah, really doing we- like, it's about, it's like, if you do it for yourself, that's how you can be present to like help your children 
start to regulate more too, but like just by like taking, trying to step back, I feel like is such a huge thing. Like as adults, we need to regulate by making sure that we're actually regulated, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then not bring that like really stressed out energy. Like mm-hmm. if a child like whacks another kid in the face, you know, you're not running over and being like, whoa. And then like, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. And then like snap back. Yeah. yeah. You gotta or if you find a poop on the floor. Oh, <laughs> well, that's yeah. a wild one. Someone found a poop on the floor in Lindsay's classroom. <laughs> I wasn't even there. Our teachers are never, never bored. That's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. It's so true. Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like we just get, we got it. I mean, that was amazing. Um, I know. I think like we need to have you back and talking yeah. about like how we can start to maybe think about like building these sorts of things for our students, our, our little friends when we, when when we are in our best most regulated uh space as adults yeah um and how we can do that for them but for tonight like i just feel like this is the conversation i needed i was having a shitty day me too (laughs) can i add one tip yeah a little self-regulation strategy that we okay so naming what you're feeling And then literally physically doing something with your body to get the feeling out of your body, right? Feelings are physical. Um, That's why people who don't deal with their feelings have depression um, and have lots of things. When we hold things in for a long time, right? People who have depression have higher rates of stomach pain. People who have anxiety have higher rates of migraine. Like there's so many things that go, our bodies are connected to our feelings. They're inseparable. And if we don't let the feelings out, our body's going to find unsafe ways to cope with them. So um, I think it's really important to start labeling them, noticing when they're in your body, and then doing something um, like actually physical, like grounding, jumping up and down, saying, ah, I'm really overwhelmed. Like doing something silly, like shaking out your hands, making a silly face, putting your hands in your face and going, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Like something, like we tend to like pull away from doing those things because it it looks messy. Um, It it looks dysregulated, but our feelings are actually what regulate us almost like the expression of us are the expression of our feeling is what regulates us. Right. And, you know, I think it's okay to, to like stop your class. If you two kids are fighting and be like, hold on, Mora or, you know, Miss Martha or Miss Lindsay is overwhelmed and I need a minute. Ah, and then model what it looks like to take a deep breath and like several deep breaths and, Deep breaths for when you're anxious feel a little different than when you're sad or when you're angry. And it's okay to do a deep breath that's like, (sighs) for a second and just let it out and be like, okay, I'm feeling a lot better. The anger is not in my body anymore. And I'm feeling like softer and more relaxed and like literally pay attention to how it shifts and also start to become familiar with what things are consistently setting you off. Um, right. If it's always a tantrum, if it's always a certain time of day, if it's like, I feel like 98% of my triggers are getting my child into their car seat. Um, any transitions are difficult. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, any transitions, um, whatever sets you off, that's your homework for, for, for expressing your feeling while it's happening and doing something physical to let it out. Like if it's a car seat that's driving crazy, right? Like after I get my kid in my car seat every day, we do like a little game because it's like a really hard part of my day for me. I just hate the car seat transition. No idea why. Um, But like, we'll do like a little like clapping game or we sing a little song Mm. or I like clean up the area. Like I do something physical with my body to like, you know, try to, Right after it out. you get in or out. Yeah, when I'm putting him in and I'm like, okay, like wrestling the alligator time has ended. I yeah. can, <laughs> I can now like, ah, okay, we're good. We just have yeah. to get home now. Like I got him a sandwich. I got us a snack, like whatever it is. You yeah. know, if <clears throat> I'm trying to I, think of an. I like to hated the, um, this is a tangent, but the getting my children into car seats and I don't really have to get my son into a car seat ever because he never like leaves, but I eventually taught my daughter how to do it herself. And that's amazing. So when oh my your son is there, Gosh. it will be a world changer. You know, he's, he gets the top clip, but like yeah. he forgets to put his arm in it. So then it's just like yeah, one yeah. arm in and one arm. We're, we're not what fully is, there. Yeah, he's we're, young. We're, get there. we're getting there. But it was uh, like a, a life changer for me. I was like, I'm going to teach you how to do this because I don't want to do this every day. <laughs> yeah. I think that like, it's really important to to model that it's actually, and I think this is kind of like some, this is like a little generational trauma that we all have to heal from. It's like actually safe to feel our feelings. It's actually safe to be sad and cry and, um, for a minute or two. Yeah. And, and it doesn't last. There's a book called permission to feel great book. It's very scientific. So if you're not into sciencey books, it's a little bit hard to read, but it is a worthwhile book to like skim. Um, one of the things he talks about, I think it's okay. I might, I hope it's from this book. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because now I'm not sure if it's this book or not, but is that feelings really only last like the physical sensation really only lasts like 90 seconds. And so often we are distracting ourselves from those feelings or we are trying to just like get it over with and we don't really sit in our bodies because it is uncomfortable. They're not pleasant. Like sadness isn't like a woohoo, I'm sad type of experience. Yeah. And, um, but I think it is, I've been doing it for a while and I'm not, not at all perfect at it at all. I would say like, 30% 30% of the time I'm doing it uh, decently. Um, but like, you know, sitting in those feelings, like it's okay. Like they pass. Like sometimes I just, you know, I think sometimes we like think we need to have confrontations and like figure everything out when I think it's great to have open conversations, but sometimes we're just like a little angry and like, it's okay. And we can't be, we, you know, things are going to set us off sometimes and usually it passes and it's usually, you know, it softens and our body relaxes again after a little bit. No, yeah. I also, I think that some people benefit from vocalizing it more too than others. Like, yeah. I like, love to talk about things. I like, I'm a very open book about everything because I feel like it does help me regulate in a way and it makes me feel better, but some people are more like want to keep it in and that is how they process it. Totally. I think to like, just back to saying really quick, Brooklyn, like, I feel like when I encounter an awkward situation, like in work, like with a parent, like with masks, it's impossible to know who these parents are and like, they know it. It's like, nobody's mad, but like, it's so hard for me to recognize a parent 
because I've never really actually met them like face to face. And I feel so bad. And like those feelings of like, just like, ah, like, I, I feel so bad. I like am with your kid all day and I don't really know who you are. Like I do try and sit with those and I'm like, you're going to feel better. And like, Five minutes. Don't yeah. send them an email. You just like need to relax. And and that feeling's important, right? Like anger is usually when something gets in our way, like or if someone changes our plan or what our expectation is kind of ruined, um, or like something happens that we can't control, right? Like crosses a boundary, right? Like that's like general idea. You know, disappointment is usually when we thought something was gonna happen that we were hoping for and something else happens. Like all of those feelings are information and it's really important to to learn like and contextualize them. Like I feel like sometimes we're just like, why am I why is this happening in my body? Like what is going on? And we're like freaking out and we're like, Oh, because I want my parents to be happy. Like, oh, I want my students' families to feel supported. And like, do they generally feel supported? Yeah, I think we're good, you know? Um, but I think that's that's a hard, like, thing to, like, come to without a lot of practice of, like, recognizing that our feelings serve a purpose. Like, they let us know when we're kind of in a, a state of not preferable and then that helps us get back right frustration usually tells us that we have to work a little bit harder um or we have to change routes and um and i think that is something that we can teach our kids you know learning i'm i'm actually working on a feelings chart that defines all of our emotions and um, i mean uh, so it talks about why um it's important to have them because i think sometimes we think like you know we just need to get back to happy and like yeah, that's totally our goal. Like, we're not going to pretend that it's not. We like being happy. It feels good. We want to feel good. Um, But also, like, why is it important to be sad? Why is it important to be angry? Like, I get angry when people do things to me that I don't like. And that helps me know to set a boundary. Yeah. Right? Like, that, you know, like, all of those feelings are so, they are functional. Right, exactly. My therapist says that when we have like really strong feelings and reactions, that's what me like that's what helps us informs us about what's important to us, right? Exactly. Like you were saying, like, I want my parents to be happy, my students' parents and my parents. What why not? Yeah, everybody. Um, but yeah, anyway, Brooklyn, tell us, tell everyone listening where they can like hunt you down and put you in their pocket. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at B-R-O-O-K-E-L-Y-N-N-E-D-U-K-E-S. Very long, Brooklyn Dukes. Sorry, my parents spelled my name that way. Um, my website is the same. There are some exciting things coming to brooklyndukes.com soon for people that are not ready to do coaching, but um, can't announce it yet, but it will be there soon, okay. uh, including a feelings chart. Um, <laughs> that is announceable. Um, and you guys want, rem- remind me when it comes out, you guys get a free one. So, Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, and we'll definitely post, um, on our blog, all of your, um, links Link. to your website yeah. and your social Thank media. You. But um, if you aren't following Brooklyn, like you need to be because yes. literally just like spews knowledge. Like there's a lot of free content. There is a lot. It's not is. just like sign up for my class. Like you're gonna get a class in 30 seconds on a reel. It's worthwhile. I will yeah, say it's like, like it's amazing for teachers and parents. 
yeah it's amazing it's amazing you understand you understand this stuff in a way that not many people do so thank you so thank much you. thank you guys thank you we're so excited okay.